I'm Sarah Lippman. Welcome to Torati Mecha Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. Today, we will be learning Divrei Hayamim Chronicles, Volume 1, Chapter 1. Except where otherwise noted, the principles upon which today's lesson are based come from the teachings of Rabbi Moshe Eisman of Baltimore in his magnificent commentary in the art scroll Divrei Hayamim. We face an interesting dilemma in attempting to learn Divrei Hayamim Chronicles at the rate of a chapter a day. On the one hand, the Hebrew vocabulary is surprisingly simple. Almost never will we find ourselves reaching for a dictionary. On the other hand, even the legendary Bruria, Rabbi Meir's scholarly wife, couldn't fully complete the study of Divrei Hayamim in three years. Says the Gemara, can you expect to do it in three months? So the vocabulary of Divrei Hayamim is deceptively simple. Deceptive because even the simplest reading is nearly impossible. Names swap their letters. Some people are missing from their families entirely. Others appear with multiple names or in multiple families. People are shuffled across generations and across genealogies. In fact, one quickly comes to realize that it's impossible to read Divrei Hayamim at a surface level as pshat, despite the general rule, ein ha-mikra mide pshuto, that verses do not depart from their plain meaning. There is some comfort in the validation of our sages, who say that divrei hayamim is in fact unique in this sense. Lonitan divrei hayamim ela lidaresh. The book of divrei hayamim is given only to deep explanation. Thus, in approaching this last, final book of the Tanakh, we hear the echoes of that very first word, voracious in the beginning. As Rashi says, Ein ha-mikra hazeh omer ela darsheni. This text cries out, explain me. We are entering mysterious waters indeed. Listen to the words of some of the very few commentators who bravely explain Divrei Hayamim. Rav David Kimchi, the Radak, who lived at the end of the 1100s, beginning of the 1200s, writes, Yesh basefer hazeh, dvarim sesumim me'od. There are in this book things that are very deeply hidden. Udvarim chalukim im divrei shmulam And there are facts listed that are simply contradictory to the words in the books of Shmuel and Melachim. And since this book of Divrei Hayamim is primarily a chronicle, people are not in the habit of studying it, says Radak. I have not found even one of the early commentators who has attempted to explain it. However, here in Narvon, continues Radak, I have found some commentaries on this sefer. I do not know the names of their authors, and I have seen that they all lean toward the drash, toward the deeper explanations. One of my father's students has asked me to explain Divrei Hayamim to which I have agreed. And thus, he begins his commentary. Radak goes to great lengths to give simpler explanations for why such a large percentage of the names in Divrei Hayamim differ from the names of those same people as reported elsewhere in Tanakh. There are Dalids swapped with Reishes, as in Rodanim versus Dodanim. There are swaps of Vavs and Yuds, Alephs and Hays. Even though there are in these letter swaps within these names very deep explanations, 
I did not see fit to write all these explanations down in order that this work not become too excessively lengthy, concludes Radak. Rabbi Yitzchak Abarbanel, 1400s to early 1500s in Portugal, says, The connections between the events told to us and how they're truly organized and why they're swapped around in Divrei Hayamim versus in the books of Shmuel and Malachim requires immense study. And I have found not a word on this subject in the words of our sages or in the commentaries, he concludes. According to the Gemara in Bava Basra, Divrei Hayamim was written by Ezra, the legendary leader during the transition from the Babylonian exile to the return to Israel and building of the second Beis HaMikdash. Abarbanel explains that Ezra saw that as time went on, the details of the events of the early days of Jewish settlement in Eretz Yisrael were being forgotten from the communal memory. The books of the prophets of Yehoshua, Shoftim, Shmuel, Melachim, Ishaya, Yirmiyah, the Treasar, were still learned. Some of them were recent, of course, but memories were being lost of the people who had lived those stories and of the contributions and impact those events that were told in the books of the Nevi'im had on the process and trajectory of the Jewish nation towards their shared future. And so Ezra retold the history using a new vocabulary that spoke to his generation, presenting events thematically, using more familiar names, omitting some events, which would continue to be learned in Navi, of course, and including others which had not been put into the writing of those books of prophets, but were still recorded in what remained of the Chronicles of the Kings of Yehuda as Jewish history, well known. All of this was with the goal of preserving and explaining our history as a roadmap into the future. The errors of history covered in Divrei Hayamim are already reported in the Chumash and the books of the Nevi'im, the prophets. So what new perspective does Ezra bring? The Chumash, the five books of the Torah, and the books of the prophets are all prophecies. They describe and frame history from a prophetic, future-seeing perspective. But Divrei Hayamim is a retrospective. It is a history of Ksuvim, of the writings. It is not part of the books of the prophets. Ezra reviews all of human history from the creation of Adam HaRishon, the first man, all the way up to Ezra's current time. It is a perspective not of Nevuah, of prophecy, but of Ketz Hayamim, the end of the days. Divrei Hayamim is history as seen from the point of view of Geula, redemption. In a generation when the Jewish people had so recently suffered the loss of their homeland, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, they had gone through an exile in Babylonia and begun to trickle back to Eretz Yisrael to begin rebuilding the Beis HaMikdash. At that moment, Ezra chronicled, where did we come from and how did we get to where we are? How did the tide of history move inexorably across the centuries, eliciting greatness from individuals and communities, shaping the formation of Malchus based David, the royal Davidic dynasty, and the building of the Beis HaMikdash first once and then again? How in the past was Jerusalem built with dual strengths, political and spiritual, that together formed a strong, healthy, wholesome people, a light unto the nations. How could it be done again? While the Nevi'im, the prophets, can tell us what lies ahead, there is an even higher view, the mirror of history. We look into this mirror, we see where we are and how we got here, and we can see with certainty 
which steps we need to retrace to get back there again. Divri Hayamim is the story of the Jewish people from the perspective of Kate's The End. As we begin our study of Divri Hayamim, we approach it with humility, with our minds and hearts open to learn and to hear, well aware that our knowledge is limited. In the words of Rav Moshe Eisman, let us begin. Divri Hayamim, Volume 1, Chapter 1 Adam, Shase, Enosh Kenan, Mahalalel, Yared Chanoch, Mesushalach, Lomech Noach, Shem, Chom, Vayafes Each word, a world. Each name, a leap across hundreds of years. Chapter 1 begins with Adam, at creation, and takes us at high speed all the way to Avraham's grandsons, Yisrael and Esav, born in the year 2108 from creation, and the lists of kings and chieftains of Edom from the line of Esav. The very first word, Adam, starts with a capital Aleph, as it were, a larger Aleph than any other in Tanakh. We are reminded of Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi's statement, Harbe Shemos Bekulam Adam Echod Haim. So many names, and they are all one Adam, one man. Indeed, in Adam, all of mankind is in one man. Ze Sefer Toldos Adam, says the verse in Beratius, chapter 5. All these people, all these lives, are the ongoing and unfolding story of Adam himself. Says the Vilna Gaon, Adam, Shes, Enosh, period. These three are a pasuk, a verse, and they are a category of their own. Each one is an ancestor of all humanity. But at Enosh, there's a hard stop. Adam was born with infinite possibility. Shes was a new beginning after the horrors of Cain and Havel. He retained the humanity of his father. But whereas Adam and Shes are each described in Chumash as clearly reflecting the imprint of the divine, in the days of Enosh, direct recognition of God was fading. The roots of future Avodazara of paganism had already been struck. So from here, a new Pasuk, a new era, begins. It will be a very long journey indeed before we return to the state of Adam and of Shes. Pasuk Dalid, Noach, Shem, Cham, Vayafes. Here we come to a sudden change of gears, that Vav, meaning and, as a prefix, right there in the names of Noach's sons, Noach, Shem, Cham, and Yafes. Noach and his sons are the transition for humanity from a solo process, individual lives, each a world, each encompassing the entire destiny of humanity, to the sons of Noach, Shem, Cham, and Yafes, three sons, three branches on a family tree, three paths winding through history. Pasuk hey, B'nei Yefes, Gomer Umagog, Umadai V'yavan V'suval, Umeshech V'siras. The children of Yefes, Gomer and Magog, and Madai and Yavan, and Tuval, and Meshech and Tiras. We're startled by this crash of gears as humanity shifts into a new phase. These are names of nations as much as they are names of individuals. And now, again, in verse 24, a shift. Shame, Arpachshad, Shalach. 
Ever, Peleg, Reu, Serug, Nachor, Torach, Avram, Hu, Avraham. In these ten generations, from Noach's son, Shem, until Avraham, we hear echoes of that very beginning, those first ten generations, from Adam to Noach. Whereas Noach's entirety splits into three parts in his sons, Shem, Ham, and Yefes, launching an era of multiplying, dividing, separating, turning into new nations, nation after nation after nation. Avraham snaps back into focus. Avram, who Avraham. Avram is Avraham. This is another milestone of humanity. He was born Avram. He became Avraham. From a leadership role in Aram, he gave wings to the world, not the conqueror, but the father of a vast number of nations, of Lechol Ha'olam Kulo, father of the entire world, says the Gemara of Brachos. And he did it not by dominating others, but by ruling himself and his inner world. The appearance of Avraham on the stage of history proclaims the ability of humans to choose to be greater. We are not, in fact, doomed by the choices of our parents. We are a product of those choices. But we ourselves can choose. Avraham elevated his mind, his feelings, and his choices and created a new self reflecting the divine. Avram hu Avraham, says the Gemara in Megillah, hu betzidko mitzchilaso sofo. He maintained his righteousness from beginning to end, from first to last. He was holy himself, and he built upon himself. He became even more than was possible, while never losing himself. From Avraham, a new sun of hope begins to rise. The hope of the world to recover, to return to the greatness of the days of Adam, that hope is born with Avraham. And we see in action yet another yesod, another fundamental principle. Ikar toldosehem shal tzadikim ma'asim tovim. The primary legacy of the righteous is their good deeds. Yes, who we are does become a stronger starting point for our children. But the primary legacy is our deeds. It's what we make of ourselves. It is this message which Ezra conveys so beautifully, so mysteriously, and so perfectly in Divri Hayamim. Yes, many people are descendants of their parents and grandparents, but some might swap over to another genealogy. Maybe their influence, maybe their inspiration came from somewhere else. We can choose, we can become. Verse 28. B'nai Avraham, Yitzchak v'Yishmael, all these are the children of Keturah, attributed to Keturah, and not to their father Avraham, Vayoled Avraham is Yitzchak. The one who took after Avraham was Yitzchak. Bnei Yitzchak, Esav, Yisrael, And the children of Yitzchak were Esav and Yisrael. And in keeping with the focus and spotlight of Ezra being on the ultimate redemption and glory of the Jewish people living in the land of Israel, in sync with their king and with the Torah and with the Avodah and the Beis HaMikdash, the name Yaakov is not used in Divrei Hayamim, rather the name Yisrael, his name of glory. And now another more painful shift of gears. 
Verse 35. B'nai Esav, the children of Esav. Esav, the twin brother of Yaakov. Esav, whose father was Yitzchak, whose grandfather was Avraham. Esav, whose parents saw so much good and so much potential to build in him. Esav's children were Eliphaz and Reuel, Yeush and Yalom and Korach. And the children of Eliphaz were Teman and Omar, Tzvi and Gatom, Knaz, Timna and Amalek. Rashi in Parshas Vayishlach explains more about Timna. This Timna, Bas Alufim Haisa, was the daughter of chieftains. As the verse says, Achos Lotan Timna, the sister of Lotan, was Timna. She said, If I cannot merit to marry into the family of Avraham, at least let me be a second wife, a Pelegesh, a concubine in the family. And she went and married Eliphaz, the son of Esav. In Divrei Hayamim, Rashi notes, she is counted also as amongst the children of Eliphaz. This is only one of several examples of where we see, says Rashi, the depraved, selfish, immoral behavior that Esav initiated and passed on to his children. Melamed Shebaal Ishto Shal Seir, Timna Eliphaz, the son of Esav, had a relationship with the wife of Seir, which resulted in the birth of a girl, Timna. When Timna grew up, she married her father Eliphaz as his Piglagesh, and thus was born Amalek, most dangerous of all nations. Why, here in Divrei Hayamim, which is a chronicle of the Jewish people, and earlier in the Chumash itself, is any time spent on the chieftains descended from Esav? Radak comments in his introduction, we learn about the chieftains of Esav because they all ruled before there was even one king amongst the Jewish people, and not one of their kings was the son of another king. Each one was an invader who came from elsewhere and in accordance with his strength, conquered the people. The royal house of Esav is being held up in contrast to the royal house of David. David, who had so many personal similarities to Esav, was completely successful in building a productive and righteous life where Esav was unsuccessful. And, says Radak, for all that Esav's kings preceded in their royalty, even one Jewish king, they did not last once there was a Jewish king, David, as the verse will say in chapter 18, Vayehi Edom avadim le David, Edom became subservient to David. The Malbim, a 19th century commentator, says, The main purpose of Dere Hayamim is to enumerate the Yichus, the spiritual genealogy of Anshe Halev Vahasegula, people of heart, people who are treasured and special. Divrei Hayamim begins with Adam and the early generations who make choices and set the stage upon which the education of human civilization will be played out. As Divrei Hayamim itself concludes, poised at a moment in which the door to freedom and redemption is held open, so will human history inevitably draw towards that destiny through years of darkness and confusion to a moment when the door will be held open again. Mi bachem michol amo. We can step upward. We can choose. 
We can choose in. We can choose to be Anshe Halev, people with heart, people who care, so that we remain part of the golden chain that weaves from Adam to Avraham to David to Melech HaMashiach. Thank you for learning together with me, Le'ilui Nishmas, Rose Foreman, Rachel Rachel, Bas Arye Leib, and Rachel Zeitlin.